0: I've been sharing for a number of weeks uh Cornell myself and Greg started a series many many moons ago um, and I've been continuing that on um, the gospel, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the simple gospel and towards the end i recently I've been talking about healing and the power of the gospel that it, that is that comes along with it <clears throat> that is just not about talking. you know in Jesus, we see what he modeled. It says he preached, and he taught, and he healed the sick. He did all three. So wherever he went, he talked to people, he, he ministered to them, he, he taught them, he preached to them, and then he healed them. He delivered them. He set them free from the oppression, the sickness, the, the demonization that they were experiencing. And that's the same thing he expects for us to do. The same thing, not just to talk the way he did, but also to walk the way he did. So we've been talking about that in... I believe it's very important to represent him well and to represent the gospel fully and completely. And that means not just words. Not just words. God wants to change our lives and and minister to us in in wonderful ways and and also to people who don't know him. And so I just want to share a few things. Because I know when you talk about healing, I know healing is a very, it is a very controversial subject. Um There's a few topics in Christendom that get people all fired up. Healing is one of them. Praying and speaking in tongues is another. Women in ministry is another. And I can just go on and on and on. But there's the ones I just mentioned are like the top three. And I happen to be talking about one of them. And so I know there's a lot of stuff that can come with when you start talking about healing and God's power and everything, because there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of teaching against what we believe. We believe that. That what Jesus said, those who believe in me, the miracles, works that I've done, shall you do also. He also said, these signs shall follow those that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. You know, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, so I send you the same, in the same way. And we believe in this church that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation today. We believe that what Jesus said back then is still for us today to walk in the same things and do the same things that he did. That's what we believe here. Not everybody who's a Christian believes that same thing. And so anyway, um, so I know bringing this topic up, it can cause a lot of, a lot of hurt feelings to come up because we've, many of us have had bad experiences when it comes to healing or not being healed, prayers not being answered. Uh, believing for people to be whole and healed and restored, and many of them have died. And so there's a lot of stuff that goes along with this. But just because we experience um, tragedy and, and bad things or hurtful things doesn't mean that we stop proclaiming the truth. You know, if you, if you are persecuted, or when you're persecuted for becoming a Christian, that's not a good thing. That's not fun. But just because that happens doesn't mean you stop telling people about Jesus, just because there's pain involved. Amen? And so we cannot shy away from the subject because we have to, sometimes we have to deal with hard things in order to move forward and to obtain everything that He's made available for us. So, any one thing I want to say is that when we talk about healing, and I've said that it's God's will to heal everybody, and, and I've made that statement, and first of all, I'd like to say that. My intention is not to make that the focal point. And sometimes, as I've been thinking about it, I almost wish I wouldn't have said that because that statement, I believe, to many people have been the, become the focal point. Well, is it really God's will to heal all? Is it really, well, it's, you know, and, and what happens is we get stuck on that thing right there and we debate that. And then what happens is we begin to focus on all the times when it didn't happen. And we say, well, what about this? What about this? The focal point, and what I believe God's wanting to do, is to help us to realize that he has more for us that he wants to grab a hold of. That's the focal point. The fact that he wants to heal. The fact that there is more that Jesus paid for, healing, deliverance, power of the Holy Spirit, that he wants to flow in us and through us. That's the point. That's the point. And I hope would you agree with me that we as a church are not walking in the fullness of what God has for us? Would you agree with that? Would you agree that he wants us to walk in it more than we even want to walk in it? I mean, when he died, he paid for a bunch. He paid for a great deal. And if we're only walking in 2% of that, I don't believe that glorifies him. I don't believe he's happy or satisfied with that. Now I don't believe he's mad at us and frowning at us and waiting to backhand us like that. But he's saying, come on, church. Come on, sons and daughters. I have more in store for you. Let's run together. He's calling us into partnership with him. And the reason why it's important for us to experience these things is because it brings him glory. When somebody gets healed in their body, it brings him glory. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men. He didn't say Jesus' light. He said your light. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify Him. So it's all about the glory of God, but there's a part that we play. He says, you let your light shine in such a way that they see what you're doing, they see your good works, and they glorify God because they recognize, man, only God can do this. And He wants to do it through you and I. And it doesn't bring Him glory just to talk about it. Just say, yes, I agree with you, Lord. But obedience... Walking in faith is what honors him. Amen? Thanks, Greg. Anybody else? Okay. Now, one thing I wanted to bring up and I wanted to encourage you with, because as as you're hearing me say, God's desire is to heal. So then what can be inferred from that is, that means if I go to a doctor then I'm in sin or I'm not pleasing God. Or if I'm taking medications, then that doesn't honor God or that doesn't please God or or the pastor's not going to be happy with me. And so you might feel like you have to sneak around to see your doctor or to take medications or to whatever. And I just want to say emphatically that I do not believe that. I do not agree with that. I believe actually that doctors are a gift from God. I believe that Doctors are a mercy of God. Because what about people who don't believe? What about atheists, people who don't know the Lord? Where are they going to go to get help? Right? So doctors are there, gifted, given wisdom and knowledge from Him to help people. And now I'm not saying that if you're a believer, then you shouldn't go to a doctor. I go to doctors. I send my children to doctors. I take my children to doctor's. So I want to encourage you because I know that some environments can be and there is and there has been Christian environments and churches where you're made to feel bad or you're made to feel condemned that if you go to a doctor, then you don't have any faith and that you're not believing God and all that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just want to I want you to know that that's not the case here. We are on a journey. And if we need to go to a doctor, if I'm sick right now and, and I'm praying and I'm getting prayed for and, and, it's, and it doesn't seem to be happening or for whatever the reason, and I'm still sick and it's serious or whatever, I'm going to go to the doctor because my wife's going to make me. I want to encourage you, though, that let's not let that be our end point. If that needs to be our starting point, so be it. But let's continue to to agree and believe what the Lord says. Because the doctors don't have all the answers. Matter of fact, there's a lot of answers they don't have. And if your sole confidence is in doctors, then you're going to be let down. You're going to be disappointed. And what if you're in a situation where the doctors aren't available to you? Or you can't afford to go to the doctor and get help. And so we really don't have to worry about that here in the United States because... If you get in an accident or you get sick or something, you're about to die or whatever, and you walk into the emergency room, guess what? They're going to treat you. Whether you have money or not. In other countries, that's not the case. Kenya, for example. We met a man. We went there, took a team there years ago. Actually, it was 2007. I asked Cornell this morning. said, when did we go again? I forgot. 2007. Took a team. There's six of us and there was a man we met, one of the leaders in the church. <clears throat> he was barefooted, and one of his feet was really swollen, really bad, and it was pretty messed up. And it looked like, I don't know what the situation was. I wasn't the one actually talking to him. There was some on our team. It might have been Mike, Harper, Cornell. I know Roger. Uh, they ended up ministering to this guy, but what I found out was he had a choice. He had a little bit of money, And he chose. He could either go to the doctor or he could buy food for his family. We don't deal with that here, do we? I either feed my family or I go to the doctor. He chose to feed his family. So, therefore, his foot stayed the way it was until he met some of the members of our team. They prayed for him. He got healed. So he got to feed his family and receive healing all at the same time. So what about people like that? You know, when the first time I went to Africa, it was me, Pastor Dale, and Teresa. I went to Africa. And I remember we get in the car, Joash, many of you know Joash. we get in the car, and we're excited. And I was just like a kid looking around, because I'd never been there before. And my eyes are bugging out. And I'm like, wow, wow, wow. You know, you know how you would do. That's what I did. And I was just amazed. And Joash turned to me, and he said, oh, brother, by the way, we just got there, we we're there 10 minutes. He says, by the way, uh, one of the elders I came from I think it was an elder, and one of the elders in his church, his son had died recently, and his son was nine years old at the time, and my son was nine years old at the time. And they were because um, I remember you know the birthday, they were, they were a few months apart. But anyway, so this young man was nine years old, and he died, and Josh turned to me and said, "Would you do the funeral?" Yeah." That was the scariest time in my life, I promise you. And that's a whole other story, that whole crazy thing that was. But he asked me, would you do the funeral? Now, I just arrived in a country. I have no idea what the culture's about. And we're about to do a funeral. Now, funerals are are difficult enough in America. I've done several funerals. And actually, never mind, I'm not going to say that because you won't understand that. But I've done several funerals, and they're not easy, (laughs) as you can imagine. So imagine another country, another culture, and you're asked to, to do that. But the point is, when I found out what the, I can't remember what it was, but when I heard what the young man died of, it was one of those situations or, or illnesses or situations that if he were here in America, he probably would not have died. Probably would not have died. It was something common, I guess, or something that we, our doctors, could have taken care of. But he didn't have that available, apparently, and and so he passed away. So we can't put our faith in doctors completely because they may not always be available. And if they are available, they may not have the answers. But it's okay to go to doctors, I believe. If you go to a doctor, you're not letting God down. See, I believe God is in the healing business. And if he chooses to use a doctor, okay, I'm good with that. You know, there are many people whose lives have been prolonged because they've gone to a doctor. That they're alive today because they were helped by a doctor. And you know what I think is cool that I hear, I get excited about? That there are doctors that are spirit-filled, love Jesus, hardcore, radical. They hear the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit tells them how to do this procedure. Or tells them, gives them a word of knowledge and tells them what's going on with a person that they couldn't figure out. And then they research that and find out that's exactly what was going on, and it saves the person's life. See, that's cool stuff. That is cool stuff. I remember one time, a little over a year ago, I was visiting a person in, at the OU Medical Center in Oklahoma City. Excuse me for saying OU, okay? It's okay. I was at the OU Medical Center visiting a friend, and as I was leaving, as I was walking out, out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a lady over to the side in a wheelchair, and she had oxygen tubes in her nose. And I don't know about you, but that bothers me. Okay, I get offended at the situation, not the person, but the situation. That just bothers me, particularly when I see person a person with breathing challenges. That bothers me. And I was thinking, why does that bother me so much? I remember when I was young, I think I was about six years old, one time this happened, I either had an asthma attack or a, an anxiety attack. I don't know what it is. I'm thinking asthma because I remember standing in the doorway of the living room, and I couldn't breathe, and I was trying to catch my breath, and I was like I was trying to rip my shirt off to get every restriction off me because I couldn't breathe, and I was gasping for breath, and I thought I was going to die. I, re, I remember this, six years old. That's never happened since. I don't know what that was about but I remember that and so when I see people who have breathing challenges it bothers me to the point to where I want to do something about it and I remember I'll get back to the OU lady in a second but I remember one time I was in Tulsa and I can't remember which son was with me one of them either Trey Bryant or Joseph what? one of them they all look alike you know I can't tell them apart If you see my sons, you'll know what I'm talking about. They do look alike. Anyway, we were, we were in Tulsa, in Walmart. And we weren't shopping, by the way. We were in Walmart. And I noticed this elderly lady in one of those motor scooters, you know, popping wheelies and stuff, one of those little carts. And she was just scooting along. And what I noticed about her was she had an oxygen tube tank in her basket, and then she had the tubes going into her nose. And it bothered me. I saw this sweet, precious old lady... And I saw the tubes, and I was bothered. And I said, come here, son. So we go over to this lady, and I said, excuse me, I positioned myself. I didn't run up behind her because I didn't want to scare and give her a heart attack. Then I would have raised her from the dead, so that would have been okay, right? But I positioned myself, and she kind of came towards me, and I said, excuse me, ma'am. So my name is CJ. This is my son, whatever his name was. I said, we're Christians, and can we pray for you? We believe God would like to touch and heal you. That's what I said. That's what I say a lot of times. I say, can we pray for you? No, first I asked her, I said, what's going on? Why, why the oxygen? And she told me, I don't remember what she said, because I wasn't really paying attention to that because I was scared. <laughs> I was nervous. But I just wanted to do something about that. So anyway, she told me, and I said, can we pray for you? I believe God would like to touch you. She said, sure. We prayed for her, and I said, now, after I pray for you, will you do something for me? And she said, yes. What's that? Well, she said, what's that? And I said, would you take off the oxygen and try to breathe and see if your breathing has changed any? She said, okay. So we prayed for her. I said, okay, try it. She took the tubes out. <sighs> took a deep breath. I said, do it again. <sighs> and I was watching this lady as she was getting high on oxygen. She was breathing this air in like it was gold. I said, "Now I'm okay with that situation." And she was just so happy that she could breathe. And I remember we left her said, and you know she was grateful and everything we left. And I remember seeing her in the store later on, and she was just driving around, <sighs> just watching her breathe. See, that's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus would do. And you know what? I didn't even ask Jesus if it was okay to do that. Jesus, are you leading me to pray for this woman? Because, see, some people say, well, you can't do that unless you feel lead. Well, if you need a lead pellet to put in your pocket and just rub it anytime you see someone you need to pray for, go for it. Some of you got that. Actually, one year when I was preaching, many, many years ago, some of you may remember this, that before the service started, I did pass out lead pellets. Of course, nobody knew what I was doing, but they always knew I was up to something. So I gave everybody a lead pellet, told them to put it in their pocket. So at the end of the service, because we were talking about being led by the Holy Spirit, talking about that kind of thing, and I said, so whenever you see somebody that needs ministry, that needs prayer. You know, if you're in Walmart, you're at work, whatever, and they need God to minister to them, and you need to feel led, reach in your pocket, rub that pellet, and then go pray for them. I feel led. So anyway, backing up to the lady at the OU Medical Center. I saw her out of the corner of my eye, Saw the tubes. I was bothered, but I didn't do anything. I just kept going, and I walked out of the door. And then the Holy Spirit started having a conversation with me. Like, you're just going to let that go? No, but I'm scared. You know that kind of thing in your head. I'm scared. I don't. uh, I don't know. You know that that thing. And I said, forget this. So I walked back in, and there was two ladies actually. And I said, excuse me, ma'am. I said, what's going on with the oxygen? See, that's how I approach people. What's going on? What's up with that? You know, the direct approach. And um, she was having, experiencing liver failure, needed a new liver, or needed a liver. New or old, I don't think she cared. She needed a liver. <laughs> and I'm not sure directly if the oxygen was because of that. I don't know medically if that's, but I remember that being a situation. So I was talking to her and anyway, I said, hey, I'm a Christian. I was wondering if I can pray for you. She said, oh, sure. I said, what would you like God to do? And she was telling me all this stuff besides the liver. Like, hey, girl, I understand this, this other little stuff. That's cool, but what about this liver? You're just telling me. And I said, can we pray and ask God for a miracle to give you a new liver? She said, yeah, absolutely. So we prayed, God, thank you for a new liver. Thank you for blessing this precious woman and whatever else I gave her my phone number but I didn't take hers if she wants to get in touch with me she can a few months later I was outside doing some yard work and I was thinking I wonder whatever happened to that lady at the OU Medical Center excuse me for saying OU I wonder whatever happened to her I wonder and as soon as I thought that later that day I get a phone call I didn't recognize the number so I let it go to voicemail I listened to it and it was that lady actually it was her friend No, it was her. Anyway, her or a friend, they called and said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. We met at the OU Medical Center. You prayed for me. Please give me a call back. I want to share with you what God has done. So I called her back. I said, hey, how you doing? This is CJ. And, And she told me all the details. I don't remember all the details. But basically, she was in the bottom of the list for a liver transplant. Somehow, things change. She got on the top of the list, and she got a new liver. And so I went to the hospital to see her a couple of days later, and she was um, being discharged the next day. And she was telling me her story, you know, made a lot of bad choices, a lot of drugs involved in that kind of thing. And I believe she was telling me that her choices led to her liver failure and all that kind of stuff. Some people might say, well, she didn't deserve a new liver because she abused the one that she had. Well, I'm glad I didn't ask you your opinion before I prayed. <laughs> and, you know, the, here's the point why I brought this up. You know, I could have been a little perturbed with God. Because, see, he used, in that situation, he used medicine to bless this woman with a new liver that extended her life. Because, see, when I was praying, I was wanting one from heaven to come and go into her body, a brand new one. But I decided not to take issue with that. And I was pretty happy. And I'm thinking, you know, because of just reaching out, being bold, getting over myself, and praying for this lady, her life is extended. See, that's the kind of stuff that we, you and I, are called to do. In everyday life, as you're going about your business, as you're at work, as you're at school, as you're going to Walmart, that's the best place to go, by the way. As you're on your way and you just see people and you just love on them and say, you know what, Jesus, I bet you want to do something. I bet you just want to love on that person over there because I know how you are. So I'm going to let you do that through me right now. And I'm going to go and pray for that person or or bless them or even just a kind word. Hey, can I tell you something? Just want you to know Jesus thinks you're awesome. I do, too, by the way, but that's else." But, you know, just a kind word of encouragement could just change someone's whole attitude, change everything. So my challenge and my courage is I'm okay with doctors, but let's not stay there. Let's keep trusting God. Let's keep moving forward because I firmly believe that God has more for us. I'm going to read some scriptures that I believe proves that he has so much more for us to walk in. And I'm going to go through these fairly quickly because my time is running short. John 15, 7. And I'm going to read this out of what's called an expanded translation. And I forgot to bring it with me, but fortunately I have it copied down in my text. John 15, 7. Now, this is Jesus. If you look in your Bible, it's going to be in the red letters. This is what Jesus says. He says, if you maintain a living communion with me and my words are at home in you, I command you to ask at once something for yourself, whatever your heart desire, and it will become yours. In this, my father is glorified, namely that you are bearing much fruit. So shall you become my disciples. Now I'm going to read this again. Listen to this. If you maintain a living communion with me and my words are at home in you, I command you Ask. No, excuse me. I command you at once, some, ask something for yourself, whatever your heart desires, and it will become yours. Now, the translation that I was reading out of, it's, it's, I wish I had brought it so I could read what it was about. But basically, it's it trying to be a direct translation from the Greek to f- structure and phrase it right so it, it brings out the true meaning of what the original text says. And I never read it like where it says, I command you to ask at once something for yourself. Now, that's crazy, isn't it? Jesus is saying, I command you to ask something for yourself. Now, before that, he says, if you you maintain a living communion with me, or if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then I command you to ask something for yourself, and it shall be done. That's Jesus talking, and that's him talking to his disciples. Are you one of his disciples? Then he's talking to you. Here's another one. Mark 11, 23, 24. In answering, Jesus says to them, Be constantly having faith in God. Truly I am saying to you, Whoever says to this mountain, Be lifted up, be thrown into the sea, And does not doubt in his heart, But believes that that which he says comes to pass, It shall be his. On this account I am saying to you, All things, whatever you are praying and asking for, Be believing that you receive them, And they shall be yours that is pretty strong language where he's saying jesus again is saying have faith in god Or i've heard some people say that the correct translation is have god's kind of faith if you say to this mountain be cast into the sea and if you pray asking anything and don't doubt but believe you shall have what you say sounds similar to the other one in john 15 7 and then here's another one. John 14:12 through 14. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works or miracles that I do, he shall do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the Father. And check this out. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now my question is reading these three verses do you, would you believe, dare to believe that God has more for us that we're not walking in yet? I mean, just reading these three, three verses. He is inviting us into the type of relationship to where he can entrust us with our heart's desires. We pray and ask, and he gives them to us. That's crazy. And I know as I'm sharing that right now, here's what's happening to most, if not all of you. You're putting filters. You're dampening The verses, you're watering down the meaning. Well, that doesn't actually mean, well, he can't mean, he can't, see, we're watering it down. See, your mind is struggling right now. Your soul is going crazy because, see, our experience is at this level. These verses are at this level. And instead of us trying to move up to this level that God is inviting us to, we try to pull it down to our experience. Are you hearing me? we pull it down to our experience because we're more comfortable with that. Instead of being challenged, instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to challenge me and say, son, I have more for you. This is what I want you to be walking in. You're over here. Come on, let's go. And it's not a condemnation. He's reaching his hand out and say, come on, come on, let's go. Let's go. How do we do that? Maintain living communion with him And allowing his word to be at home with us. We'll talk about that another time, not today. But what I wanted to bring to you and present to you is what he is inviting us to. We're talking crazy stuff. You know the prayers that we were praying and and how amazing the prayer time was this morning pre-prayer. We haven't even come close to what he's wanting. I mean he's talking crazy stuff. But what I'm excited about is I see you young people moving in that direction. That's what excites me. We as a body are moving in that direction. Are we there yet? Not yet. But we're moving. And we may stumble, trip, and fall on the way. We may have to go to the doctors and get help and praise God. Thank you, Father, for the doctor who helped me, who gave me that transplant, or who helped me overcome this disease or whatever. And then we get up and we keep moving in the direction of faith, more faith, trusting Him. Are you hearing me? Would you agree that He has more force than we're experiencing? Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. The only way we're going to walk in that stuff is as our mind is renewed by the Word of God. Remember Jesus said, if you maintain living communion with me and my word is at home in you. It's only when we begin to come into agreement with his word, that's when that stuff's going to start making sense. Because it doesn't make sense to the natural mind, but it makes sense to our spirit mind. And we're going to begin to agree. We're going to begin to grab a hold of it. But if we do not allow the transformation process to happen, if we do not allow the word of the word of God to begin to transform us, and how does the word change you? You read it. Hello. You read it, you listen to it, so you can agree with it. You know, on the way here, my daughter, I won't tell you which one. <laughs> my daughter was saying, Daddy, give me a scripture. And I said, um, John 14, 12. So she's, <laughs> no, first it was John seventeen fifteen seven. the one abide in me, my words abide in you. And she's reading, she's like, is this for real? Like, yep. Wow, I need to read my Bible more. She goes, give me another one, Daddy. John 14, 12. (laughs) He who believes in me, he will be able to do the works that I do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father, and if you ask anything in my name, that will I do. Daddy, is this true? Yep. For real? Yep. Give me another one. So I gave her Romans twelve two, the one I just read. And I told her, I said, this is how we get to walk in what Jesus has for us. We have to agree with his word. We have to let his word change our thinking. And she's like, man, I need to read my Bible more. It's, like... it's interesting, as I was ironing my shirt, think I did a good job? Do All right. I was getting ready for church this morning. I was ironing my shirt, and she came in. She was already dressed, which was a miracle. I just realized that. She was dressed before me. Dang. Hallelujah. I just realized that. She was dressed. I'm ironing my clothes, and she's talking to me. Greater works, that's right. <laughs> and she said, Dad, I had a dream last night. Before she went to bed last night, she had been struggling when she wakes up in the mornings with a sore throat. So she's afraid that she's going to wake up with a sore throat. And I said, Honey, I said, I want you to lay hands on your throat and you just pray and you say, Sore throat in Jesus' name, no more. I said, You just pray that, okay? And she goes, Okay. And then there was something else. So she gets up in the morning. I guess her throat wasn't hurting because she didn't say anything about it. I just remembered that. But she said, Dad, I had a dream last night. I said, Really? She said, Yeah, I dreamed that I was a wolf. I was like, Really? And she said, And there was another wolf. And this wolf was really sick, and it was dying. And I laid hands on it and said, In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you'll live. And the wolf got better. And I said, What do you think that means? She says, Does that mean I can do that in real life? I said, Yep. She said, That was the best dream I ever had. Man, get it into them. Young? Young? The works that I do, shall you do also. The works, the miracles that Jesus did, we shall do also. Are you hearing that? The works that I do, shall you do also. Let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer this out loud, but answer it in your mind. What do you do with tornadoes? Has anybody ever heard of a tornado? Oh, yeah, I'm in Oklahoma, right? What do you do with tornadoes, ice storms, inconvenient rain? Do you pray for protection from tornadoes? Do you ask God to do something about it? In other words, tornadoes coming your way, sirens, roar, you know, it's coming your way. Do you pray for protection? Do you ask God to do something about it? Or do you speak to the tornado? Uh, Now, Pastor you're getting crazy now. Well, you have no idea. What did Jesus do when he faced the deadly storm? That his disciples who were, some of them were professional fishermen, who were very aware of these storms, and they were terrified, freaking out. Jesus, don't you care? We are about to die. What did Jesus do? Did he say, Father, help us in this moment? Did he ask the Father to do something? Did Jesus even pray? Did he pray? It doesn't say he did. Or did he speak to the storm? He actually told the storm to shut up in so many words. He said, Hush. Be still. Some people think, well, you know, the weather, you never know what God. I remember I was in a, a store one day, and I was talking to a man who's a Christian, loves God, dear friend. And it was t- there were storms coming, and we all in Oklahoma know about the storms. And I said, man, it's time to, I can't remember what I said, it was something about it. it's time to pray against that. And then he said, you never know what God's wanting to do. So I think I know what he wants to do. I didn't say that. I was a lot younger than him. But here's the conclusion I've come to after years of observation and experimentation. I got a hold of this verse before. It says, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. That verse was logic. And then I saw Jesus, what he did to the storm. And I remember the Holy Spirit challenging me. What Jesus did, you can do also because I'm inside of you. And I remember one time, and so I started agreeing with this. My mind was being transformed. The way I was thinking was changing. And I remember one time, we were at me and I think we only had three or four boys at the time. Can't remember if Grant was around yet. We had three or four boys. If you were around, you would have been real little, so I don't even know if you remember this. But we were in Oklahoma City at a hotel, just a little family getaway, and it had an indoor swimming pool. And we were about to go swimming. So all of us are getting our trunks on, getting our towels and everything. And all of a sudden, we hear this, the tornado sirens go off. Now, we are totally oblivious to what's going on with the weather because we're all excited about the swimming pool. All of a sudden, the sirens are going off. It's like, what? What is that? Are they testing? We look out the windows, and it's dark. I mean, it's real dark. And it's like, whoa, so Lisa, being the weather woman that she is, turns on the news. I think it was Channel 5, Rick, whatever his name was. So we turn on, of course, this is the weather all over the station, and they show the radar, and they show these little swirly things spinning around like that. And we all knows, know what those are, right? Well, there was one close to where we were, and that's why the sirens were going off. And I said, guys, we turned the TV off, and I said, do you remember what Jesus said? The things that he did, can we do also? He took authority over the storms. Remember that? And the boys are going, uh-huh. I don't know if they remembered or not. I said, remember what Jesus did? And so was in the moment. I said, let's pray. Let's do what Jesus did. We took authority over the storms. In Jesus' name, tornadoes, we command you to dissipate. We command you to dissipate in Jesus' name. We turned the TV back on, and the swirlies were gone. Tornado sirens went off, and we went and we swam. From that point, from that point, and that was several years ago. Obviously, it was either 18 or plus years ago. I've had that experience several times because I choose to agree with Jesus says I can do what he did. And see, I see the tornado as deadly and destructive, that it's going to harm people. To me, that's not the will of God. Some people talk about the judgment of God. We're not in his judgment right now. Judgment is going to come someday. We are not in his judgment right now. We are experiencing the grace of God. Because if we're talking about well, judgment, judgment, we all deserve that. So when people talk about tornadoes and everything being a judgment, I disagree. Okay, I'm not saying New Covenant disagrees. I'm saying I disagree. And so my thinking is, if Jesus were here, he would tell the storm to shut up. And he's in me, so I'm going to tell it to shut up. So I've been doing that kind of secretly because I was in experiment mode. I didn't know if this was (laughs) right or not. And so I kept doing that. And we'd see tornadoes coming. We'd see wall clouds forming, say no, and they dissipate. They would go around. They would do all kinds of things. I remember one time. Some of you may remember this several years ago. There were straight-line winds coming towards Stillwater, 90-mile-an-hour winds. And they were coming at us, and they were on, on the west side of I-35. And they were coming. They were barreling towards us. Lisa kept telling me. She, she updates me on the weather. I'm out there praying, speaking to the storm, and she updates me. So I was watching Mike Morgan, and then they were saying they were approaching Stillwater, 90 miles an hour. I went outside, and I said, you will die down in Jesus' name. You will die down right now in Jesus' name. I go back in the house, and within two minutes, Mike Morgan says, well, the winds died down to 40 miles an hour. However, they can flare back up any moment. They never did. Never did. Well, then I come to find out, because some of you think I'm crazy, but the good news is there's a lot of crazy people in this church just like me. (laughs) I found some like-minded brothers and sisters. I'm like, okay, good. If I'm crazy, I'm not alone. But here's why this is important. I believe that. I'm a firm believer. That's where my faith is. You can't shake me from it. You can't argue me or try to theologically per- dispersuade me or whatever, dispersuade. Never mind. It's happened too often. Remember this partnership that Jesus is inviting us into? We abide in Him, His word abides in us. We can ask what we want. See, I believe our heart becomes like His heart. When we see danger or destruction, I think we can do something about it. Many years ago, many of you know Joash. Joash Legami, a brother in Africa, in Kenya. He was telling me how they... I can't remember if we sent money for this or not, but he was telling me that they wanted to do a medical clinic where they wanted to buy a bunch of medicines and invite people to come out and do a clinic where they can get diagnosed by a doctor and then give, have a little pharmacy and get all these medicines. Stuff like Tylenol. I mean, simple stuff that we just take for granted. We can buy over-the-counter and it's gold, liquid gold to them. So he got, got these medicines, and they had these cl- this clinic set up, and it washed out the rain, washed it out every day it rained. It was in a rainy season. And he was sharing with me he was frustrated because it, it didn't work. So and he was telling me how he wanted us to come and do that, and, and so we did. We took a team of six of us, and we went, and the only time we could happen to go there was rainy season. So we spent all this money. He buys all this medicine. I mean, little pharmacy. It was awesome. All this medicine. And here's my idea. I said, hey, Joash, when the people come to get the medicine and they're standing in line to wait to meet the doctor, we're talking about an all-day deal. Can we lay hands on them and pray for them? I mean, talking about a bunch of sick people that you get to pray for? I mean, it was like a kid in a toy factory. He said, absolutely. That would be a great idea. That is all. You know, he was excited about that idea. So as the people were coming, they were standing in line. The team were laying hands on him. In Jesus' name. And Jesus is praying for him. People had AIDS. People had tuberculosis. People had all kinds of crazy, strange stuff. There was even a man who was demonized, and he was manifesting. I mean, demon manifesting, like you see on TV or read about in the Bible. He was flailing. He was doing stuff, and he had no control of his body. The team took care of that. Man was set free. He couldn't speak English, but he said, Thank you. In clear English, thank you when he was set free. So anyway, so we go and we're going to have this clinic. And Joash was concerned. He said, it's rainy season. And last time we tried this, it rained every day. And we as a team, we talked. Because, see, we had a certain belief system. Not that we're better than Joash. We just had a different belief system when it came to that. And so we agreed as a team that we were going to declare and speak to the weather and say that the rains had to be held back. Because we believed that we were on assignment from God. That he sent us all the way to Africa to bless these people, to serve them, to love them, to minister to them. And I didn't believe it was the will of God to mess that up by rain. I know I'm talking outside of some of your paradigm, but that's okay. It's okay. So when I asked Cornell, I'd like you to lead this. But basically, in front of the people, tomorrow when we start, in front of all the people, the hundreds of people that were there, we were going to pray and declare that the rains were going to be held back. We want to do this in front of the people. Either you're going to die in front of the people (laughs) or you can celebrate in front. So we declared, rains, you will not interfere. First day, no rain. Second day, no rain. Third day, no rain. The rain didn't interfere at all. At all. It was so obvious to to the lead doctor, this lady, Wonderful, neat lady, very sharp, didn't speak any English, but very, no, I take that back. Maybe she did, but very sharp. Well, she asked to speak to the crowd, and she got up and started preaching. I'm like, what the heck is this lady saying? And she was reminding people and letting them know, don't you notice the miracle that it has not rained? Look what God has done. And they were celebrating and thanking God for the miracle that it had not rained the whole time. Now, I believe it rained like at night or whatever, which was okay. Didn't interfere. Didn't bother us at all. But here's the point. We were able to have that clinic and Cornell reminded me through texting this morning that we prayed for about 1,500 people. Many of them were healed, instantly healed. We didn't, unfortunately, we got this idea, but we didn't think about it until the last day. Because as what we thought about is, okay, a lot of these people have been healed, but, how, I mean, prayed for. How do we know if they're healed or not? We didn't know. So we thought, why don't we ask? So we asked, Josh, can we ask people if they've experienced a miracle, if they experienced a healing? They begin to testify. Before I got the medicine, you prayed for me, God healed me. We kept hearing that over and over and over and over. I remember one guy, we're, standing, we're just standing there hanging out, and this one guy, middle-aged guy, came dancing and singing. And we thought, I thought he was drunk. I mean, he was a little happy, you know? (laughs) It's like, what's with with that guy? I said, hey, Joash, you know, what's... Well, we found out that the guy, because he was pointing to my son. Bryant was with me on that trip. He was pointing to him. And he said he had some kind of condition, physical condition, for so many years. And that young man laid hands on him, prayed for him, and he was healed. That's why he was singing. He was rejoicing. So here's the point. No rain, the rain did not interfere with that event. 1,500 people came out and got blessed by medicine, by doctor, by healing. Joash told me, he was here this summer. He said, CJ, even to this day, this was what, in 2007. He says he's still hearing about the testimonies of what happened in 2007. Still. Okay, here's the point in closing we had a different thought process going than Joash did and as a matter of fact many other people because some people well, you, you don't know what God's wanting to do you can't do anything praying against the rain oh by the way as we were heading we were done and we're, Joash was taking us back to the airport and my Harper said CJ don't forget about the rain oh yeah rain's come. We leave, we fly, land in Amsterdam. I get an email from Joe Ash. He says, by the way, on the way home, it started raining. Now, why is that important? Why is it important for us to grab a hold of what God has for us so we can dance around and say, look at us, look at us? I mean, you can say that if you want to, but that's not the reason so he can be glorified, and so that many people can be touched by the love of God. That's what it's about. It's about people. Jesus loves people. And if you love Jesus and he's in you, you're going to love people too. And that's why I'm excited about that because of what we learned. We believed that we had the right in partnership with the Holy Spirit to speak to the rain, to the weather, and say, not right now. And because of that, many people were ministered to. People got saved. Lives were changed. Even to this day, we're still hearing hearing about that. Now imagine with me, maybe there's 100, let's say 100 people in here, 110, 120 people in here. Let's say that. Imagine if we all walked like that. We wouldn't have any rain. Just kidding. Imagine when, not if, when... We allow the word of God to change our thinking. We come into agreement with what the Holy Spirit is saying and what the word of God is saying. And we do what Jesus would do. And not just wear the bracelet. Imagine when we start doing that, what this place is going to look like. Talking about revival. If we just start doing the works of Jesus, you're going to have revival. Plain and simple. And that's what he's called us to do. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come on up. (laughs) Some more ministry team to come on up. I need you to team up with, well, we'll just see as you guys come on up. Ministry team. I'm so excited about what God's doing in you and what He's gonna be doing through you. I mean, I just can't wait to hear what happens as I can take us. Place is gonna get blown up. It's gonna get blown up. And like Todd said, I'm excited about what's gonna happen here in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Here in this community, because of you people agreeing with Jesus and saying yes. And just loving on people. I still see that lady walking, or riding around in that little cart in Walmart, breathing that oxygen in like liquid gold. The lady at the OU Medical Center who now has a new lease on life. And I also see the people that are transformed by the love of God because you dare to step out of the comfort zone and fear and do the stuff. Amen? Would you stand with me? Father, we're just so grateful for you. You're amazing. You're cool. You're radical. We just love you so much, Father. We love you so much. And I'm so excited about what your people are going to get to do and do for your glory. I just speak your blessing on everyone here your encouragement. It's that joy and peace over your people as they go their separate ways. And I pray for their families, too, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You guys have an amazing week, and we'll see you next time.